Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me, if you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. So this week we are talking about financial magic, something that interests all of us at one point or another. But before we get started, I do have a few announcements and reminders that I'd like to make. First, the drawings for my latest giveaway happen on April 1st, so just in a few days. All you need to do is to be on my VIP list for the first drawing, and for the second drawing, be on my VIP list, and if you love this podcast, leave a review on your favorite platform. Each winner will be able to select one in-stock merchandise item of their choice from my witch shop. To join my VIP list, go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash VIP. The link will be in the show notes. Super easy and it's free. So those drawings are being held to celebrate the kickoff of my new course, Jumpstart Your Magical Practice. Jumpstart Your Magical Practice is a four-week online course designed to help you build the foundation for a magical practice that works for you. This course was created with the beginner witch in mind and also the more seasoned witch who struggles having a successful magical or spellcraft part of their practice. So what I've done is I've taken my 10 plus years of practice and experience and I'm sharing what works so you don't have to spend the next 10 years trying to figure it out or spending your time Googling spells on the internet that may or may not work for you. The cart opens on April 1st and the course begins on May 1st. So each week beginning May 1st, you'll receive a different module with several lessons. There will be an opportunity for weekly Q&A and I will be providing written feedback if you want it, so if you request, on the spell that you create during the course. And finally, my last announcement is to let you know that I also have another course being released on April 1st. It's a mini course called Moon Magic Back to the Basics, and it was designed to walk you through the manifestation process by way of working with the energies of the moon. So this course is priced at $59 by itself, but it is free and available immediately when you purchase Jumpstart Your Magical Practice. Okay, so enough about that. Next, let's go to The Witch Is In. My first question was from Laura. Laura writes, I am considering starting my own witchcraft business, and I was wondering if you would share any tips or words of advice. Do you have a business background? Well, thank you, Laura, for that question, and I wish you so much success in your endeavors. And there is so much that I could go into here. And I think, you know, not only could I make a whole episode on this topic, but I could probably make another whole podcast on this topic. So first, my background, my background in the mundane world is in healthcare, and I also have an MBA. However, that is absolutely not necessary at all, because it didn't prepare me for this. It did not prepare me for starting my own business. So a master's degree in business administration, for this, I probably could just like take it and throw it out the window. Because starting your own small business is just, it's different than everything else that I've ever experienced. And having an occult-based business is even more different. So 
there are a couple things that I did wish that I knew going in, and I'll go through these really quick because, like I said, I could I could talk about this literally for hours. I've learned a lot in the last year. So a witch business is different than other businesses. And I say that because there are a few things that make it unique from a business sense. One, I had difficulty obtaining insurance for my business. Now, I was primarily concerned about coverage because I sell merchandise. And one of the merchandise items that I sell are candles. There's also, you know, um, perfumes and oils and things like that. And I was turned down by two insurers, not because of the merchandise that I sold, but because I was also providing tarot readings at the time. So very interesting. Insurers, you know, even if the insurance was for, you know, to cover me because of the merchandise, because I provided tarot readings, couldn't get coverage through two providers. Eventually I did find coverage, but it took me a while. The other thing of note is that the only payment provider that I found to work with was PayPal. So my first experience taking customer payment for retail merchandise was through GoDaddy. So my retail shop, you know, the the website is on the GoDaddy platform. And I was using, you know, their payment provider. Initially, I thought, hey, that's a good idea. It's, you know, pretty easy to set up. And the first customer purchase, you know, the the purchase went through no problem. And then after that very first one, they turned it off without like any warning, without telling me why, you know, it's very, the reasons are very vague. But what I found out is that because there are so many scam artists out there, that a lot of the payment providers, they consider this type of business, you know, this type of industry to be high risk for consumer complaints and people wanting their money back. So I use PayPal. And right now that's the only payment option because that's the only one that honestly, I trust that it's, you know, it's not going to, you know, turn off the payment on me that I can't receive payment for my services. So those are two things that I wish I would have known. It just would have saved me a lot of time. So again, that's something I would want to know right out of the gate. And then there's this whole big world of marketing that is really important, especially if you don't have a brick and mortar shop. And I never thought about it a whole lot before because, you know, I spend a lot of time online. I buy things online. I'm on social media. But there was a lot that I just didn't know. So my best advice in that arena is to create valuable content for your followers. If you have more specific questions, email them to me and I'm happy to try to answer them, you know, in more depth than an email or even, you know, happy to hop on a chat because there's just a lot there. So again, I wish you the very, very best um, and thank you so much for the question. The next question comes from Tonda and this question leads right into today's topic. So Tonda's question was, are there true and tested money or prosperity spells available? So first, Tonda, thank you so much for writing and thank you for the question. I'm going to give the short answer and then the long answer. So again, the question was, are there true and tested money or prosperity spells available? And the short answer is no. I currently do not have any financial spells that are available in my free resources. However, I do have spells that I personally use and that have been successful. But here's the thing. When you're talking about money magic, many times we fall into this trap of doing money magic when we need a quick fix. And there are definitely spells for doing that. But I am a much bigger proponent of crafting spells and practices that are proactive and set us up for financial success. 
In fact, that's probably one of the primary reasons that I started this podcast and developed my own course because I know that magic has helped me. Magic hasn't created the life that I have, but it certainly has helped me to create the life that I have. So I will share a spell or two at the end that I've used for short-term money magic because I know there are times that that's what we need right now. But I really want to spend more time talking today on building prosperity. Like I said, most of my magic has been around building a successful life, which has in turn led to better finances. So the first thing I want to mention is that no matter what kind of magic you're doing, you need to make sure that you have a method or a path for that magic to work in your life. You know, in other words, is your life enchantable? For example, if I need to increase the amount of money I earn each month, I can cast a spell to help do that, but there needs to be avenues available in the mundane world for that to happen, and some of them might be better than others. For example, maybe I could earn more money by working overtime, and that might be fine, I mean, it could get you the end result that you're looking for, but maybe that's the only way because you're working an hourly job and there's no opportunity for promotion. You aren't expanding your skill set and you aren't actively looking for other opportunities. So, you know, the overtime might be the only opportunity that there is to increase the money that you earn each month. Now, if you are not interested in putting in more hours for more money, what other avenues are available to you to earn more money because magic is not equivalent to miracles. It's meant to help us along. It's meant to help catalyze our successes, but it's not going to do the work for us. So maybe I want to do a spell to land a promotion. Well, first, the opportunity needs to be there. I need to be doing the things that would position me for that promotion. In other words, maybe I might volunteer to be involved in extra projects at work. I'm networking with the right people. I'm showing up for work. I'm doing a good job while I'm there. There's a lot of things that would need to come together. And if you're doing all of those things, then you can target your spell to help you in the area of the process that you really need it. For example, maybe I'm doing all of those things but I need to interview with my boss's boss who I don't really know and I'm super nervous about the interview. So maybe what I do is some grounding and I work a spell with some earth energy to keep me grounded through the interview process. Or maybe I've done all the work, but I'm lacking some self-confidence. So maybe my spell addresses that. And that's how our magic gets real in a hurry and we start seeing success. Or perhaps, you know, what about a side hustle for additional income? That could be another avenue for the extra money to enter your life. So I think what I'm saying is you can't just cast a spell for prosperity if there are no gates open for that money to come in. You know, so hopefully that makes sense. The other thing to consider is that magic most often is going to take the path of least resistance. So if the magic that you're doing is strong, but there is no enchantable path in your life for that extra money to come in, you could end up getting that extra money from a place that you really don't want it to come from. Here's another bit of advice with any magic, but especially when it comes to financial magic. Stop trying to CYA by ending every spell with and let it harm none or something like that. So my intention is not to offend anyone because there are people that will only operate under that premise. And I respect that. And you can certainly operate in that manner. 
I just don't find it to be very effective, especially with this kind of magic. Let's go back to your spell that's for a promotion at work. Unless you're the only one applying, someone isn't going to get that promotion. So someone is going to be harmed. You know, that's life. That's just the way that it is. And if we think any differently, we're kidding ourselves. There are also some deities that I work with regularly for prosperity, and I regularly call on the elements for my work. So the first deity that comes to mind is the Roman god Jupiter. So Jupiter rules the sky, and I associate him with the element of air. Because when I think of Jupiter, I think things like the sky is the limit. I'm thinking abundance and expansion. And air is also about abundance and expansion. Jupiter was also said to be very generous and a symbol of good governance. So he's a reminder of how I want to live my life. I also look to Pluto when it comes to prosperity. So, you know, why the god of the underworld? Well, because what comes from the earth? You have things like gold, silver, material wealth. So I associate Pluto with the Earth and the resources that it provides. I typically don't ever work with him alone, though, because while he's seen as the provider of material wealth, I don't ever want that to be the sole driving force in my life. You know, Pluto is where we get the term plutocrat from. Plutocrats are people that have a lot of power because they have a lot of wealth, and that's not what I'm striving for. There's also Mercury. You know, Mercury is all about movement, and money is something that needs to be moving. It likes to be moving. It doesn't do us a whole lot of good when it sits still, so Mercury can help with that. Then there are, you know, there are many, many other deities associated with wealth. With wealth, So you have the Hindu goddess of wealth, Lakshima. You have Kernonos in Celtic culture. Oh, Juno, Juno Manera, the Roman queen of the gods, gods and protector of funds. And we get the word money from her name, like literally. And, you know, there's so many others. And I would also be remiss if I didn't say that if you have relationships with other spirits, like your ancestors, request their assistance, especially if you have ones that you would have considered successful in this area. I generally think it's better to go to a spirit guide that you have a close relationship with you know, it's not that a deity won't assist you or that you shouldn't ask, especially if you are in right relationship with them. And by that, I mean, you have a relationship, you have a connection, you're making regular offerings, you're giving more than you take. But that more personal assistance often comes from the spirits that are closer to us. The other thing that I think is critically important is meditation. And I will probably always say that the ability to meditate is the single most important skill set you can have that's going to help you develop a successful magical practice. So why in this case? Well, because if you can gain control over your mind, so being able to quiet it, recognizing those distracting thoughts and releasing them, then you can use that same control to master other areas of your life. So magic might be able to help move your business forward, but control will help you to be able to make the time to do the things that you need to do to ensure its success. If you can recognize distractions when meditating, you can recognize distractions when you're working. You can recognize distractions when you are trying to focus your time on your spouse or your child and you want to pull your phone out. You can recognize spending distractions when you're trying to minimize spending. And meditation is just such a critical key to that. It's a critical key 
to success on so many levels of our life. So I talked about longer-term success and prosperity a little bit, and I did say that I would include, you know, a spell or two for quick fixes. And I think what I'm going to do is share with you the use of a lodestone, because not only can it provide a quick fix, it can also be used for longer-term gains as well. So what's a lodestone? A lodestone is a piece of magnetic iron ore. So the word load, the root word load, means journey or way. And lodestones were first used in magnetic compasses, so very practical use. Although, like, we don't often hear the name lodestone anymore. Unless, of course, you have a kid in your life that plays Minecraft, and they will be able to tell you all about it over and over again. Anyhow, lodestones are used in magic because of their ability to attract. And more often than not, you know, they're used in spells for, you know, money, luck, love, things like that. So you can try to find a lodestone, but I buy mine online. You don't need a large one, and they're really pretty inexpensive. So what I typically do is I will write what I want on a piece of paper, place the paper on my altar, place the lodestone on top of the paper, and speak my intention or my desire into the stone, asking for it to attract whatever it is that I want it to attract. Then I will feed my lodestone iron shavings at least once a week. So you can buy these little tiny iron shavings, typically wherever, you know, you would buy a lodestone. You know, you can look on Etsy, just, you know, look online. There's, there's a lot of places that you can get them. And these are the same little shavings. And I know I'm dating myself here, but there used to be these toys, you know, you'd get them in the department store or in the dollar store or wherever, and they'd have like the back would be cardboard. And then on the front, like they'd have a picture of like a man's face and it would be covered in plastic and there would be all these little black iron shavings in there. And then you'd take a magnet to the back and you could like make a picture or draw with it. Those were iron shavings. And that's what I'm talking about. So you can purchase them. They'll come like in a little baggie and you use that to feed your lodestone. So once the work is finished with my lodestone, so, you know, I've spoken my intent, the lodestone, it's done its job. When I'm finished with it, I give it back to the earth and I bury it. I typically don't use them more than once. I might also use my lodestone with a larger spell. Perhaps it's a spell that I start off with a candle spell and then feed my lodestone every day for seven days thereafter. Or I might include a small one in like a mojo bag for good luck. You know, other items that you could put in, in there in like a lucky mojo bag could be herbs like cinnamon or cloves, basil, nutmeg, uh, what else, bay leaves, uh, mint, calendula. I'm sure I'm missing some like there. There's quite a few. Also other little stones like jade, labradorite, pyrite, citrine, tiger's eye, malachite. I'd probably throw some clear quartz in there. Just about any of your stones that are green would work. So you can make your like, you know, your little lucky mojo bag that you can carry on you for luck or to attract money. So, you know, are there quick fixes, you know, or quick fix money spells out there? Sure. But, you know, there's times that that's what we need to do and we need to use them. But my preference is always to try to create spellcraft and use spellcraft that is going to help you manifest a life that doesn't need those quick fixes, at least not very often. So I hope that this episode got you thinking a little bit more about financial magic and prosperity and some of the long-term gains when we think more long-term. 
and I will see you again here next week. Now, before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc. that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.